welcome to the Invisible Not Broken podcast. I'm Eva Minkoff, your co-host, fibro fighter and entrepreneur. On this podcast, Monica and I talk about the off-the-rails roller coaster ride that is life with invisible chronic illness. Sometimes it's just Monica and myself, sometimes we have a special guest, but we always have a grand old time. If you enjoy our conversations on the podcast, please feel free to jump into the conversation with us on Facebook. Our group is facebook.com slash group slash invisible not broken. Now let's dive into the episode. In today's roundtable discussion, Monica and I chat with Jesse Ace, a fellow podcaster, MS warrior, advocate, and multi-passionate entrepreneur. On her podcast, Disabled to Enabled, love that name, Jesse interviews inspiring people also affected by chronic illness who have turned their diagnosis into something incredibly unexpected. In this episode of Invisible Not Broken, Monica and I have a talk with Jesse about quarantine life and how to start a podcast. So peppered throughout the conversation, you'll hear us recommend over a dozen tips and resources for addressing both of those things. We've also decided to try out an idea given to us by Jessie herself regarding podcasting. We're going to be trying 15 to 25 minute segments for a little while instead of our one hour at a time episodes so that you can digest them at your own pace. In somewhat related news, we have started building up our official Invisible Not Broken Facebook group where you can ask questions, connect with fellow Invisible Illness peers, and make suggestions for the podcast like whether or not you end up liking our episode splits. Visit facebook.com slash groups slash invisible not broken. Also going to be in the show notes, of course. And now without further ado, please enjoy some typical Monica Eva banter, along with the smooth British accent of the lovely Jessie Ace. Jesse, you run a podcast as well. I'm so glad you reached out to us. Oh, it's, it's, it's exciting. Thanks so much for this. Um, so I run the Disabled to Enable podcast. And what do you, I'm so sorry, I was trying to like get your podcast, but you're mostly on Podbean, is that right? And yeah, I didn't have it downloaded. So tell us a little bit about your podcast. Jesse? Oh, you froze, Jesse. All right, so Eva, we were discussing, um, well, Jesse's, uh, while we're dealing with all the technology of Zoom. <laughs> Jesse um, has MS, and we we're just kind of talking about trying to get our prescriptions and the fun and joy of getting prescriptions right now with COVID. In the UK, I assume it's also quite a hassle. Seriously, I was so shocked because I know she's, um, well, she was just telling me she's in the middle of National Forest, which I'm dying of jealousy Ooh. right now. Yeah, she has left. Um, she'll hopefully come back. Um, we'll have some fun stitching that one together. <laughs> Yay, Zoom. Poor Zoom, which is now like what the like necessity of all of us now. But are you having fun getting your prescriptions? Uh, I somehow got them without a hitch. I'm truly surprised by that, especially because in the midst of all of this, I switched providers. <gasps> How'd that go? Oh my God, you brave woman. I got a good one. That's how. Hey, look at this. This is like what I'm dealing with right now. Kitty. She's got a zoo there, I swear. But a, a great zoo of only the best animals, the cutest animals. Did you just go Trump on my animals? You went Trump on my animals. I did. <laughs> the greatest. <laughs> the best. The greatest. I have the best. They're huge. With the fluffiest butts. And 
<laughs> oh my God, no more news for you before we record. Oh God. Oh, that is not okay. Did you hear her just go Trump on my chickens? <laughs> <laughs> We're That's not the biggest fans. Oh no, we are, we are so, please, please everyone listening, forgive us. We did not vote for him and three million more people did not vote for him. We do not endorse the orange monster. <laughs> I'll leave it on that. We'll leave it on that, yes. But we do have an orange cat that's very cute and sweet and evil who was just jumping in on the frame because we're going with all the Zoom home meetings with animals. <laughs> that's so cute, I love that. So you were starting to tell us about your podcast. Yes, before I got really interrupted by Zoom, who is like, I think, struggling under the weight of the world right now. Oh my <laughs> God, who knew that there were going to be essential services? <laughs> Do you know, it's really funny because um, my husband's dad messaged us yesterday and was like, how do I set up a, a Zoom? Is it a Zoom link? Like, what do I do with this? And I want to talk to my friend. And I was like, what? <laughs> I don't know how to use technology. <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> Have you found that? I, my in-laws are lovely and they're almost, uh, I think they're almost 90 now and we can't oh. get them to do email. So I've given up and my mom is anti-technology. So yeah. she'll use the cell phone and that's, that's the best we can do. My dad and I send like stupid gifts to each other throughout the day because he's bed bound, but that's, that's technology in my family. <laughs> How about you, Eva? I don't even think it's limiting to those of an older generation. I know my people my age that had no idea what to do with this. I have a therapist who's actually my age and she knows that like her clinic used Zoom but never had before all of this. And she was so skeptical of like how it all works. And I just think it's hilarious. Um, my favorite interaction though with um, someone starting telemedicine for the first time was this doctor who's now retired, but he's like really famous pediatrician. Um, and he knew that I was in, uh, involved in telemedicine companies. And so he said, help me set up a telemedicine practice. I said, sure. Can we meet sometime this week? And we established that the easiest time for us to meet would be over video chat. He couldn't figure out how to make Zoom work just so we could meet to talk about telemedicine. Oh, no. This is hard. I was like, oh. maybe this isn't the best for you <laughs> I mean, I'm curious about HIPAA violations with all of this. Like Zoom and uh, certainly was not secure. Skype certainly is not as secure as they like us to all think. I, like, I'm really curious how this HIPAA violation is working with all the telemedicine. They're kind of just waving it right now. I mean, <laughs> the United States decided to waive most of our civil liberties for right now, so I don't see why HIPAA is any different. Like, <laughs> What about in the UK? How, like... How prevalent is telemedicine or is it just like us and all of a sudden it's really big yeah all of a sudden it's it's almost like um it's it's kind of just come overnight and it's like yeah sure we can do that <laughs> what i'm sorry like what, why have i been traveling for like an hour and a half driving to a hospital just suffering from severe fatigue <laughs> like why have we not done this before oh but i do think it's one of the positive things that's going to come out of this is the whole um just a more accessible approach to life I think and I think there's gonna be so many more opportunities that come up for people who you know can't travel or can't get out to a physical job and things like that so yeah, yeah. it's gonna be the silver lining one of the few silver linings of this whole situation 
I mean, telemedicine is going to take off at some point. We all knew it was, but I was always wondering, what, what was it going to be that, that pushed it out the gate? Well, I got my answer. You did. <laughs> this <laughs> that was not on my 2020 like apocalypse bingo card it should have been but it wasn't it wasn't popular this for a long time either was the idea of like accessibility to specialists that a lot of people won't have accessibility to like there's um there's definitely countries where you would not find um, someone who's an expert in Ehlers-Danlos or someone who's um, an expert in like a certain sort of rehabilitation yeah it's uh and now that's the one other thing i really i hate saying anything positive about the pandemic but i'm sure you know what i mean like the the good thing that's coming from this isn't just telemedicine but telemedicine for chronic care because even though telemedicine was starting to expand it was still really limited to like acute care or urgent care and not people who needed ongoing relationships with their practitioners and specialists um, like a rheumatologist or a gastroenterologist or what have you. And now they have been forced to provide telemedicine. So my husband's a gastroenterologist. He's literally in the other room right now, like in quote unquote clinic treating patients. And he's never done this before. And yesterday was his first day doing specifically that with new patients. And he was all worried. And, and he was like, what am I going to do? And I said, you'll figure it out. <laughs> you know, and, every, and everyone is. Yeah, and look, he in gastroenterology and, and well, all the specialties really, there are times where in-person is absolutely necessary, but so little of it is necessary in person. And I really hope that this teaches our healthcare systems around the world that we don't need to do things in person all the time, especially if it costs us more money and pain. Absolutely. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and schools too. I mean, if, especially schools, like there's so many disabled people who can't go to colleges or to even um, high school or middle school or grade school because it, the classroom just is not accessible. It would be amazing if this doesn't just all get gaslit and decided that this never really happened and we just go back to, mm -hmm. you know, the status quo normal of healthy people are the norm. Yeah, I hope it's not. I mean, I hope this has really given kind of people who are you know able and healthy like the wake-up call to actually you know people live like this all the time mm -hmm. you know, I don't think they appreciated that and when you tell someone you know if it's a family or friend or someone and you you say to them you know oh, I'm having to isolate because you know I'm, I'm really sick right now or, or whatever then the response is normally like oh you lucky you you get to stay at home mm -hmm. but I think they're kind of like oh this isn't a good thing <laughs> you know Maybe this ends that whole, like, lucky you, you get to stay at home all the time <laughs> answer that we all get. Yeah, I think we literally all have that one at some point or another. So speaking of staying at home, um, we all run podcasts. I did not get to introduce your podcast, so I'll let you do that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I run the, the Disabled to Enabled podcast, and we basically... I, I've made it my mission to fill the internet with posi positivity after my own diagnosis, which was pretty awful, really negative, where my doctor literally told me to go and Google what MS was so that I could find out for it for myself. Yeah, that's the face I pulled as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And wow. so obviously I found every negative story under the sun and I was like, right, okay, 
it, it was about four years later and I was like, right, we need to change this. We need to fill it with positivity. So I find people who have chronic conditions or have been in an accident or, or maybe so their life has dramatically changed in some way. And we highlight the positive stuff that they've done since that. So maybe they've run a marathon. Maybe they've started a business to help other people or maybe they've started a blog or, that you know, they're just, I don't know, sharing their story in some way or climbing Kilimanjaro. Like <laughs> the things that people have done have been extraordinary. And I just think it's so empowering to hear those kind of stories to, to kind of let people know that this diagnosis isn't the end, you know, and I thought it was right at the beginning of my story. I thought that was the end. And I thought that was, you know, the career that I'd planned for the last four years at university was just completely null and void or overnight because everything just changed so suddenly for me so what I wanted the career to... that you were going to do what were you studying so I was studying design crafts at university which was basically like glass blowing and metal work and ceramics so very kind of hands-on <laughs> and um, I'd set up a business as a, an illustrator in my second year because I wanted a job to go into afterwards and I was like right this isn't guaranteed so I'm going to make my own I'm going to make my own job and then it, it'll be fine and because I had severe anxiety back then and I just drove myself nuts because I was like I'm going to leave and I'm not going to get a job and I'm going to oh this is really awful so yeah so I spent the last year of university trying to do this full-time course and run a business at the same time which was ridiculous and I shouldn't have done it um got right to the end and I had like a contract for a children's book ready to go for when I left and I had like a contract with an agent that was ready to go all I needed to do was finish uni and then on the last day of university I woke up on my left side not working at all and I was like oh my gosh like I was 22 at the time so I thought I was invincible obviously um turns out not and so I had to just completely reevaluate my whole life right there and then weird your last day of uni <laughs> very last day wow. <laughs> typically i know so i was tripping over my foot all day i couldn't use my left hand or, or anything like like holding things just and my husband this is a really funny story actually my husband to cheer me up made me my favorite meal which was spaghetti bolognese okay i love spaghetti bolognese and he made this favorite meal as a treat and i was sat there and i was like this is great but i can't actually twirl the spaghetti because i can't feel my <laughs> So I was like, just trying to like, he had to cut it up for me. It was, it was, it was a new, it was a new interesting experience. Let's just say that. <laughs> so, you know. I, so like distinctly on that, because I think we have like way too much in common with having to abandon careers. I think all of us have a lot in common with having to abandon careers and, and plans because of health, but yours came on so suddenly. It was literally, yeah, it was literally like completely out of the blue. I was completely fine. I was completely healthy and normal. I was, or I, I thought I was anyway. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like I woke up on this last day and it was all just completely upside down. It was crazy. Um, and I'm stubborn. I'm a stubborn person. So I waited seven days before I went to the doctor <laughs> to sort it out. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, it'll be a trap nerve or something. Oh, actually, real quick, just to educate those of us in the United States, yeah. we're still on the fence of the idea that if you have socialized medicine, you will never see a doctor. How long did it take you to get an appointment? With my GP? Yeah. Um, I can't actually remember, to be honest. I think, right, I think no, it, it was actually... Oh, like, like there, there's this myth that if we go socialized medicine, that you, if you have an emergency, 
you won't be able to see a doctor for like three or four months. Oh, I think I managed to get it. I think it was about three or four days that it took to actually get this appointment, if I remember. Yeah, um, side. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, and I went to see this doctor and um, she basically said, oh, it's, a, it's something called a hemiplegic migraine. I was like, all right, okay. And she was like, have you had, ever had a migraine? I said, no. <laughs> I thought it was just a headache. <laughs> like, why does that mean that my left side stopped working if it's a headache? Um, but yeah, no, um, she said it was that. And she, so she, she let me go with this, this misdiagnosis, which was crazy. And I got home um, planning what to have for dinner. And she called me back and she was like, actually, I probably should have sent you to A&E. I was like, Why? She was like, because I've just been speaking to my colleague um, and she thought that actually you could have had a stroke. So yeah, you should really go and sort that out. So I'm going to, I'm going to write you a letter, leave it in reception and you can come pick it up and then go take it to uni. I was like, what? <laughs> How could I have had a stroke? I'm 22 years old. I'm perfectly healthy. What's going on? This is crazy. So when I picked up this letter, went to A&E, which is, sorry, ER for you guys. Whenever I say that in interviews, they're always like, what's A&E? <laughs> the ER. Um, Except the yours doesn't charge 50000 No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. But on the other side, I have to wait five hours to actually be to see anybody. <laughs> so wait, that emergency room, um, when I, my, my shoulder was here, my, my arm was, oh, I'm sorry, I'm pointing on a podcast. My arm was <laughs> all the way to where my breast is. It was all the oh, way through the front. I waited six hours before a doctor spent five minutes with me. So trust oh. me, that's here. That's crazy, isn't it? That's crazy. Yeah. There aren't enough doctors in the world. That's the problem. Yeah. It's not really country specific. Some obviously have way less than others, but yeah, yeah that's we one of so the many lucky. issues with the systems. <laughs> totally. And they're not paid enough. Which yeah. Is another oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're paid the most in America and they're still not paid enough. It depends. But many of them are not paid enough here. And we have a huge doctor shortage here in the United States, especially for gynecologists and for um, GPs. Oh yeah, well, GP, it's because GPs aren't getting paid and they don't want to be GPs anymore. That's <laughs> <laughs> sort of like, if you, if you ask, so I, I talk to residents and fellows all the time, and that's the main reason they tell me they don't want to be GPs, is they, can't, they won't get paid enough. Yeah, but they have yeah. to do so much, don't they, for the for what they what they do? So, and also mm. the cost to become a doctor is so extreme. Like the student loans mm. are brutal, and then you also will have to like pay insurance, which is the insurance cost. Well, you know this better than I do, Eva. But my friends who are doctors, they say that the reason they going to work for something like Kaiser is because the insurance cost is so high if they don't. Yeah, I tend to forget. I force myself to forget that I think we have about three hundred thousand dollars in debt. Yeah. Yeah, I think at least. And I think yeah. it gets worse every year that he doesn't make a real salary. <laughs> My <laughs> husband, yeah, he's a fellow, so he's like still technically in training sort of for like a year. Woohoo! <laughs> we need doctors. We're going to charge you half a million dollars to become one. Yeah, that's, that's my favorite. Or a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks for listening to another episode. If you haven't already, please leave us a review. It means the world to us. Any feedback, all feedback. And as always, links to the show notes will be on invisiblenotbroken.com per the episode, 
where you can also subscribe to our community updates. If you love listening to our show, and we hope that you do, please show us some love in return by becoming a patron for the cost of one coffee a month. If you're unable, no worries. Show some love with an episode share. All support is appreciated. Visit patreon.com slash invisible not broken to become a patron with us. And otherwise, we'll see you online on our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash group slash invisible not broken. As always, be kind, be gentle, and be super freaking badass.